knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and my co-host is Ashley Glassick. So hey, Ashley, yeah, how's it going? Good. Um, I was thinking about a post I saw in the group uh, yesterday or the day before about kids who, the statistics on kids growing up and leaving the church. Have you, have you heard those statistics? Yes, I, I have. I have. Mm -hmm. And we did do a podcast on American Christianity, which I think has some to do with that. Um, what do you, what do you think about why kids are leaving the church um yeah so it's, i've actually talked to my brother-in-law and and his dad about this because we had read an article and it was a it was a while ago um but it talked about how a lot of young people were also going towards more confessional churches hmm. and so i'm wondering on that one of the things that that I had kind of thought about in terms of that is if like a lot of young people were sick of the fluffy stuff and yeah and some of that but also I don't know if you remember that Brian Wolf Miller talked about how a lot of like mega churches were set up to be different than your parents and so now these kids are coming up and they they want to be different from their parents. Mm -hmm. They want to do something different from, from their parents. Right. So, so what did that, so was it an article that, that was in no. the group? Cause I'm, oh, we were just, we were just kind of, we were just kind of discussing it. And, and someone, someone made the point, well, the reason people are leaving the church is because they're not Christians. They're, they're unregenerate. And part of that is, God's going to save who he saves and you know I don't know I guess there is a responsibility on our part you know like as parents to do what we can in the churches to preach the gospel and all that but at the end of the day we can't control yeah our kids 
and their their salvation. Um, so that's part of it. But I also was thinking, I think it's because a lot of people grow up in gospelless churches, you know, like like we talked about yeah. with Brian. I like I just think, like I wonder if the statistics are the same for kids that are growing up in churches that are solid and that are preaching the gospel um, and their, you know, their parents are preaching the gospel. I mean, that not that those, not that those kids won't walk away too, because we know that right. they will, but um, I'm just thinking of like the church I grew up in and I don't really know anybody who still goes to church from that group, but none of us were hearing the gospel. So it makes sense that we all left and walked away. And by the grace of God, I was saved, but um, I don't know if any of the rest of them were. Yeah. You know, most of my friends that I grew up with are still, you know, walking with the Lord today and in good churches. So, I mean, even though, yes, it is true that it is, it is the Lord who brings salvation. There is a higher statistic of people leaving the church now. So obviously something is going, is going on and, you know, things are very godless out there. Mm -hmm. So, I, I also think there's an issue when kids grow up kids go up grow up going to church but not really because they're like only in kids' church or only in um, youth group and they never learn to be like a part of the church. And so it's like, yeah, they grew up in the church, but they were kind of separate from all of it, you know yeah and so it, it i've I've seen this where, Churches, if if you're only in groups that are focused on you, like you're only in, you know, youth group and college group and kids, you get to a point when you're an adult and it's not focused on you anymore. You know, you don't have that special, well, I guess they have the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings, but um, like just big church, as we called it, it's just, it's just that, you know, and it's not focused on, on you. And so it's less right. intriguing. Um, but again, if you're not regenerate, you're not going to desire to be with the body. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a trade-off, I guess. Yeah. And I, one thing that, that I have, have seen also is where there's so, if you ask, you know, a bunch of Americans, if they're Christians, a lot of them will say yes. And a, a lot of them may even be church going but that faith isn't emphasized at home. You know, it's, mm. it, it's, just, that's kind of how my husband grew up. It was, it was only a Sunday morning and holiday thing. It right. wasn't, Christianity was not like our lives. And so I think that also plays into it. And I think the things that we talked about with Brian, where if, if the emphasis, if, if your Christianity is primarily about, is, um, is some sort of moralism, and that that really results in um, in in rebellion or self righteousness when the emphasis is on on what we do instead of what Christ has done. Mm. Yeah, and there's no hope in that. Might as well give up and walk away if yeah. it's dependent on me. I know that when. 
when I when I left the church, that's exactly how I felt. Is I was like, man, I've I've been following all these rules my whole life, and you know, moralism and all that. And then when I hit trials in my life, I was like, what good has it done me? Because now I'm facing trials, and what was the point of following the rules? That's that's how I viewed it, and that's why I think I ultimately said that I'm not going to go to church anymore. Um, it's because moralism didn't really help me then. Yeah. What's what's the point? Well, even in kind of in what we're going to be talking about today, which is prayer, I think that the ideas within Word of Faith have – there are some of them which have seeped into greater evangelicalism, things like God wants us to be happy. You know, um, if God's not answering my prayers the way I want to, it must because I'm be because I've failed to do something. You know, there there's a lot of of things out there where it's it's set up for for failure. Right. Yeah. Because if you don't get healthy and you're not happy, then it's like, oh well, I thought God wanted me to be happy. What's right. going on here? Yeah. Well, when the gospel is, God wants you to have a good marriage. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you not to suffer. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want you to be sick, and which, of course, is not what Scripture says at all. Mm-hmm. But when when there are some of those ideas out there and they aren't coming true, yeah, you, you're not going to want anything to do with it. Well, if God wants me to be happy, why am I not? Right, yeah. And instead of understanding that God wants us to trust in him even through our suffering yeah so that he may comfort us so one of the things this has come up i I can't even tell you how many times and i've probably in the last two months i've gotten like three private messages which i know it's not a ton but enough that i know that people are out there wondering about this and that is how how do i pray i just really struggle with prayer Hmm. and so i thought we could just kind of dig into it a little bit there's so much out there on prayer but and oh i wanted to say i've got a lot of wonderful wonderful resources including a couple books which i'll be linking in the episode notes so please please check those out if this is something that that you are interested yeah. in. Now, when you became Reformed, did your understanding of prayer change? Um, I think one thing that I remember, like my perspective changing on was not not just praying because I feel like praying, because I, I think a lot of my prayer was driven by, I just feel connected with God or like my heart was very much in it. And when I became reformed, I started to see like prayer is commanded. And so that was a shift for me. And I think I knew it was commanded before, but I still think I was very experiential. And right when I, when I thought about prayer, I didn't see it as this is something I'm just called to do. Um, and so that was that was just an interesting shift. So I've I've heard from some. You know, there's a a Calvinism Arminian debate group that a, 
that I do not particularly care for, but a friend of mine had added me to it. And one of the things in there that they were saying to the Calvinists is if you believe God is sovereign, then why pray? Why pray at all? And I think maybe even somebody who's new to Reformed theology maybe even thinks that, you know, God's going to do what he wants anyways. I, I don't need to pray. And I think you just touched on exactly why we do. You know, I I definitely went through a period of that, of I think it's like fatalism. Like you're just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. God's, God's sovereign. And so it's like this heightening of God's sovereignty above all his other traits um, that you, that you just think that, yeah, you're like, I don't, I don't know why I need to pray. I, I totally understand people get stuck in that, that rut. Um, yeah. Cause we emphasize God's sovereignty so much in reform circles that, you know, it's easy to, to view it that way. Right. But the, the truth is, is that prayer is important. It's in, in effective in our lives because God has chosen it as a means to bring about his purposes. And if that wasn't true, he would not tell us to pray. And yet, and yet he does. And I, there's, there was an article when I was just reading some different stuff on prayer this week um, from Ligonier that I thought was very good. And I'm going to link it in the episode notes. And it, it talked about this very, very thing. Why pray if God is sovereign? And, you know, it talked about, well, because we're instructed to pray. And I just want to read a a small little thing from it. But it says, God knows what we need before we ask him. And in his providence, he meets those needs. Yet if God knows what we need, why do we pray? To understand the relationship between God's providence and prayer, we must have a right understanding of prayer. While God certainly knows what we need and the desires of our hearts, he calls us to verbalize our needs to him. The reason he does this is not because he needs to be nudged out of some slumber to act on our behalf, but because prayer benefits us and deepens our dependence on him. Hmm. I thought that was a pretty good summary of that that very thing, why we pray even though God is sovereign. Yeah, like we're not nudging him. Like, (laughs) you know, in our... Like if we're trying to make a decision, we're not trying to nudge him, change his mind or anything like that. That's a good point. Yeah, we're we're drawing closer to him. And I think that if if I'm sick and I'm praying for healing and God is is not healing me, being in prayer about it and drawing close to the Lord helps mm-hmm. me to trust the Lord more. Yes. Because the Lord uses it in to work in my life. Right. I do think that that gets hard because when when you are praying for something for a number of years, you know, you've been praying this same thing. It gets hard when you're like, you've been praying this for so long and yet it seems to be a no from God, you know, I, I continue to pray. It's hard. I mean, you continue to do it, but it's hard. Yeah, I have I have a friend who talks about this, and she's very open about it. So, um, I'm, I know she wouldn't mind me sharing, but she they really struggle with infertility and miscarriage, and you know, really wanted a baby and everything. And the Lord never did answer the prayer of her naturally having a baby, but they adopted children, mm-hmm. and. So the Lord did answer her prayer, just not in the way that that she thought. And she also knows that had they not gone through the fertility issues and been unable to to have a 
to deliver a baby because they did have miscarriages. So that baby's in heaven, but even they would not have adopted. Mm -hmm. And so the lesson from that is God had a better plan. He had a greater plan for them. He had children picked out for them that, that had they not gone through the fertility that they may not have sought out to adopt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't always get to see what that better, that better thing was, you know? Um, You know, I think of Romans 8, 28 when it's like he works for our good and it's like, we don't always know what that good is. (laughs) Like it's, it's not good in our terms, Uh, all the time because sometimes I'm like, God, I really want this job or this house or yeah, baby or, you know, there's so many things. Um, but he does work all things for our good. Um, and so, you know, in our prayer, we have to be trusting that that's true. Right. We, and we can, we can trust we can hold on to the things that scripture promises like Romans eight twenty eight, that regardless of what's going on, regardless of how the Lord is answering our prayers, he always answers them, not always how we want, but regardless of how he's answering our prayers, we can trust that regardless that it will work together for our good, because that's what the Lord promises. Yeah. Um, you have a quote here from A.W. Pink. He said, prayer is not designed for the furnishing of God with the knowledge of what we need, but it is designed as a confession to him of our sense of need. That's interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah. And Calvin um, explained that the Lord instructs his people to pray for he ordained it not so much for his own sake as for ours. Now he wills that his due that his due be rendered to him, but the profit of this sacrifice also by which he is worshiped returns to us. Man, Calvin always packs a punch. <laughs> yeah. I had some other quotes I didn't put in there from Calvin on prayer. Um, in fact, there's a little devotional book. I I'll mention it because it's, it's a great little book. It's called heart of flame and it's Calvin on the Psalms. Mm. And that, that's a great, great little book. Because Calvin does actually have quite a bit to say about about prayer, but this is something prayer prayer is this is a wonderful thing. We should see it that way. I think sometimes people see it as oh, I need to go spend time in prayer or that mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Especially if they think that maybe it's not going to change God's mind. But this is this is something that the Lord has given us to help us draw closer to the Lord and. Mm-hmm. And learn to trust him. That's another yeah. thing I was reading this week is that prayer is used to help us to trust the Lord. Because yeah. when I lay my requests at the feet of the Lord, I, I'm trusting him with those things. Mm-hmm. One of the more helpful things for me was seeing prayer. Like God has chosen to use it as a means to bring about his purpose. Like he He works through our prayers and not in a way that we're always going to see or understand, but he right. has he has chosen to work through our prayers in his divine wisdom and sovereignty and all that. And so that was really helpful for me to see that there is a purpose um, to our prayers, um, yeah. that, that God specifically ordained that we would pray and he would work through those prayers. 
Yeah. Well, when you're talking about the sovereignty of God, it's it's very much like when we the people that say, you know, if God is sovereign in salvation, why why share the gospel with people? Because the Lord has ordained that this is a means in which people are going to trust in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, God is absolutely sovereign, 100 percent. And yet and yet he's given us these things to use. Right. And so one thing, if you are somebody out there and you're thinking, I just, prayer is something I just don't know enough about. I want to study. I'll tell you what, you go to the Westminster Confession. Of, I mean, to the, excuse me, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the Larger Catechism, and the Heidelberg Catechism, because all of them have stuff on this. And we'll get a little bit later to the Lord's Prayer, but all of them go through the Lord's Prayer, too which is i find very very helpful and talk about each piece of the lord's prayer and what it means i'm gonna read or why don't you read westminster shorter catechism question 98 ashley 98 or 99 98 98 okay so westminster shorter catechism 98 what is prayer answer Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. In the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his miracles. Hmm. Uh, it seems to lay out a kind of a pattern there, too, in our prayer. Because we, yeah. we're praying it for God's will. We're praying in Christ's name. We're confessing our sins and we're thanking him um, for his mercies. Yep. So that's helpful. Yeah, I, I really like that because it does have all of those parts of prayer and is kind of a, a great, a great little guide, I think. So we're offering up our desires for things agreeable to his will. Let me talk about this for just a second when we're praying. There are things that we that we can pray for and be confident that the Lord will do. And there are things that are found in scripture and that, that we know are the Lord's will, like all things working together for good. Mm -hmm. And if you look at other, other parts in scripture, I know like you go to Colossians or Ephesians and there's, there's things in there that, that you can take and you can pray for those things because you know that they are the God's will for the church. Hmm. Yeah. And let me, and actually that actually is a good segue into question 99 the whole word of God, or what rule hath God given for our direction of prayer? The whole word of God is of use to direct us in prayer. Hmm. But the special rule of direction is that form of prayer which Christ taught his disciples commonly called the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to a little bit later. But we yeah. can use the word of God in our in our prayer lives. Yeah, I, I actually know of a church near me that's doing, they're praying through a psalm a day like as a congregation, I was like, wow, that's a really cool idea. Um, yeah. Just like using God's word. It's, it's there like to pray. And it reminds me, that reminds me of when we had Christina Fox on about her book, Heart Set Free, A Journey to Hope Through the Psalms of Lament. And, and how much for me, um, praying some, some of those Psalms of Lament has been very comforting to me in suffering because they all have kind of a, a basic framework which they're built upon where it expresses often distress and you know great misery or um sometimes seems a little hopeless and mm -hmm. and yet it always ends with proclaiming what's true 
about the Lord and, and that we will trust him. So even mm. though we're feeling certain ways, we're suffering, we're in distress, we can proclaim God's goodness and, and, and hold on to the things about God that we know are true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. So I, I have just some basic um, things that you can kind of include in, in prayer. One thing I would say, if you're somebody that's, that's newer to not sharing how, sure how to pray. And I'm going to talk a little later about having a, a prayer journal, but get prayer journal and write some of these things down. If you need something to help guide your prayers, but adoration, praising the Lord for who he is and his attributes, confession, we should, we should never cease to be confessing our sins. Thanksgiving, you know, and that's Thanksgiving for, for what the Lord has done for his love for us and for any of the blessings that the Lord gives us. And then supplication mm -hmm. where we do ask the Lord for things. We pray for ourselves and for other people and for needs. Yeah. I think, um, sometimes our prayers could be going straight to that supplication, um, which there's, there's nothing wrong right. with just going to the Lord with a request, right. but we just don't want to neglect to do the adoration confession and Thanksgiving part as well that's, as a normal a really, part. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause I, I'm guilty of that. I am. Oh, I'm totally guilty. That's why as soon as I looked at it, I go, Oh, <laughs> whoops. <Yep. laughs> I don't, I don't always follow that pattern. <laughs> Yeah. And I think probably of the four that I said that I, that I miss the most and it's unfortunate and this is very convicting is the adoration yeah. because sometimes I, I am confessing my sin or I'm thanking the Lord for what he's done or mm -hmm. I'm asking the Lord to intervene in things, but I neglect that adoration. Yeah. I found it's helpful and I had a, a youth pastor talk about this one time of having like a list of God's attributes that you can praise him for. But also like if you're doing your um, daily Bible reading, you know, whatever you just, whatever truth you just read about in scripture could be a great thing to segue into prayer. You know, like whatever, yeah. whatever that little nugget was that you just got that's a thing you can praise God for that's um, a great to, idea, actually. to start your prayer. That's just something that's helped me. Yeah. I get like started. that. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. So what, what are some misunderstandings out there about prayer? Um, prayer is not a, a genie's lamp that we rub to get mm -hmm. our, to get our three wishes. You know, <laughs> I was taught by a youth or I guess it wasn't my actual youth pastor. It wasn't the church that we grew up in, but a different church um, or that you and I both went to, I should say a different church. And it was somebody who was speaking to our youth group. And he pretty much said, like, if you ask God for something um, and he doesn't give it to you, keep asking because eventually he's going to he will give it to you. Hmm. And yeah, I don't like if it, he almost implied like if you bug God enough, he'll do it. Right. And I don't think that yeah. that's biblical. <laughs> no, that's very man-centered way of viewing prayer. 
and it's kind of like manipulating God to get what you want. It's it's very w- word of faith, really. I mean, um, right. that's why you pray in the word of faith movement is to get the things that you want, which is yeah. not good. And when God yeah. doesn't give you what you want, it's not because you've neglected to have enough faith. It's mm. it's not because you didn't pray um, a more eloquent prayer. It is because out of God's lo- love for you, he that isn't the best thing for you. It is not for your good to give you that thing. Which reminds me of where am I thinking of where it talks about how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I was when, just thinking about when that. When we don't, when we're not even praying for the right things or I, I'm wording this wrong. <laughs> um, no, but the Holy, the Holy right. Spirit intercedes for us in prayer, which is really cool to think about. I find comfort in that. Yeah. Like I really, that that's very comforting to me. And I, I think that there's a lot of wrong views about prayer that it's some magic, magic thing. And when I was researching, I, if you look at this definition of magic, I really think that you, you can see how some people almost see prayer like this, but uh, magic is the manipulation of spiritual powers to carry out one's human will. Okay. I, I think some people have that view of prayer and that's very, very unfortunate. So if you have a wrong view of prayer, it's going to affect how you pray and how you approach prayer. When you see that prayer is something that the Lord uses to draw us close to him and help us to trust in him and that he uses it as a means to bring about things um, instead of seeing it as I need, if, if God doesn't give me what I want, I just need to pray more. Like as if you're like manipulating God to do what you want. That's, that's not what prayer is. Yeah. Let me read a little quote from Calvin. For though God has promised to do whatsoever his people may ask, yet he does not allow them an unbridled liberty to ask whatever may come to their minds. And doubtless, nothing is better for us in this restriction. For it was allowed to every one of us to ask what he pleased. And if God were to indulge us in our wishes, it would be to provide very badly for us. So if, if God really did give us everything that we ask for, and like Ashley said, the genie, you know, he's, God's not a genie, it would not be good for us. Mm-hmm. We, we, we do not have good sense. Yeah. We're often foolish in our, in our requests. Yeah. Our, our depravity does not always lead to <laughs> desiring right things and good decision-making. And I like how he says we're restricted to what God's will is too. Like, like as a female, I'm not going to pray that God will give me a pastoral position because that's, that's outside of God's will. Like that, that's not something he's going to do because that's not how he structured his church. Just, just as an example. Um, so you're not, you're just not going to pray something that's, completely not biblical yeah well there was i saw a conversation where some woman was studying to be a pastor and someone was telling her 
uh, scripture says such and such. And she said, well, I know for a fact that this is what God has called me to do. And it's like, God's not going to call you to things contrary to what his word, which stands forever says. And in the same way, it would just be foolish to ask the Lord for something that is contrary to his word. Yes, you're right. He's not going to do something that's contrary to to his word. So I want to talk a little bit about prayer or prayer and corporate worship. That was, I think that was something that was one of the things when I started attending a reformed church that was very different was prayer in corporate worship. I love the pastoral prayer time. I, I absolutely love that. And there's stuff in, depending on if you're in a reformed church, you, you have a book of church order. And that's one thing I would point you to also where it does talk about the different parts of corporate worship, including prayer. But, and then also the Westminster Confession of Faith, when it talks about the Sabbath day, and that's mm -hmm. in, in 21 of religious worship and, and Sabbath day, where it talks about prayer being one of those things within corporate worship. Yeah. I was really surprised by how much, how much, I'm trying to compete with my cat here for the microphone. I was really surprised by how much um, prayer takes place in corporate worship in yes. Reformed churches, like the amount, the sheer amount of time we spend in prayer. I was used to like maybe a prayer, like a prayer to kind of like start the sermon or something. Yeah. Um, I was not used to the um, corporate prayer and then like every step of the liturgy, praying for the tithes and offerings, praying for um, now I'm blanking, but I know my pastor prays like six or seven times right. <laughs> throughout the service. And you're just like, oh, we're praying again. Okay. You know, that was just, that was just a weird adjustment for me. Yeah. And I know, I think it was the same in, in your church that you, you know, we say the Lord's prayer every week. I know some people mm -hmm. don't agree with that, but I, yeah. it's been that way in most reformed churches that I've been in. And it's usually at the end of the um, pastoral prayer, at least. Yeah. Yeah. My pastor, my pastor will say something and how the Lord taught us to pray. And then the whole congregation will, will start the Lord's prayer yeah. um, together. So yeah. I, I've always, that's, that was new to me too, but I, I really like it. Yeah, that's definitely. Now, whenever I visit my, my brother-in-law's church and they're Lutheran and they say the Lord's prayer, I always get I always uh, stutter a little bit because we say um, debts and they say, you know, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Oh, so you, you, you uh, stumble on your words a little bit. Yeah. Cause I'm not used to forgive us our trespasses. Although I kind of like that version a little bit better. Yeah. Matter, but yeah. So, but it's, it's the same. It's, that's the same way that we've always done it. But, and then also usually have, I know we usually have like a corporate confession of sin, like a mm -hmm. prayer that we're reading. Yeah. That's, that's actually the OPC I'm in now. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Um, so we will, our pastor will instruct us to go to the Lord privately and confess. And so we'll do that. And then we'll do like a pub, like a, um, recite like a 
some sort of scripture that is confessing right. sin, like Psalm 51 or or something as a congregation. I was like, oh, this is, it was just very new to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, we have like little inserts in our bulletin that have the prayer of confession on them. And I've take, I take them home sometimes and I put them on like our fridge and I will like glance at it and just kind of like run the words through. Like oh, if I'm, yeah, if I'm thinking about how to confess sin or just, I don't know just a helpful thing to read through. Yeah. I, I, it, a little bit later, I'm going to talk about some other written prayers because I, well, I'll, I'll say that part later, but um, one thing, if, if you want to study the Lord's prayer again, I'm going to tell you to go to the Westminster catechism and to the Heidelberg catechism, because both of them go through the Lord's prayer and I'll just read one of them, but it says, what does preface the Lord's prayer? The preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us. The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father which art in heaven, teaches us us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. So it goes each petition in the of the Lord's Prayer, there is a catechism question hmm. and goes through on what what does it mean? What is it talking about? Hmm. And it made me really appreciate the Lord's Prayer more the first time I read through that, you know, because I think we hear it, maybe don't think about it a lot, at least growing up, that's how I was. And so reading through the catechism on the Lord's Prayer really I, I, was very eye-opening to me. Yeah. I remember um, my our another OPC pastor that I had, he said that, you know, I've always heard people say the Lord's Prayer, like Jesus established a pattern for prayer in the Lord's Prayer. And then my um, my old OPC pastor was saying, well, he, he did. He totally established a pattern, but also you can just pray the Lord's Prayer. And yes. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've never I thought of up, that. <laughs> yeah, I grew up um, sometimes being taught that it wasn't intended for us to pray it. And so, yeah, probably because it doesn't sound like words we would necessarily use. Yeah, um, they, they would say it's just a guide. It's not yeah. actually. But let me, I'm going to link this in the episode notes, but Westminster Shorter Catechism 100 through 107, Westminster Larger Catechism 186 through 196, and Heidelberg 116 through 129. That is all of the catechism questions that are going to deal with the Lord's Prayer. And I may actually go through this week and kind of look at them next to each other. Because I don't think I've done that with putting the Heidelberg there. And just to see how they compare. Hmm. Yeah. So one thing, people don't talk about this a lot. And I actually found this, on, and that is prayer books. And I found this, I, I love them. I, I've got a boatload of them. But I found this on the the OPC website. And, and I guess I didn't realize this, not that I can recall. But it said, American Presbyterians have never been comfortable with reading prayers or prayer books. This, this stands in contrast to the Dutch Calvinist tradition, which has included written prayers and liturgical forms in most of their hymn books and psalters. The old Christian Reformed Church Psalter Hymnal, for instance, include, includes prayers for before and after meals, before and after church assemblies, the sick, and for various parts of the worship service. 
Hmm. So I, I really like, I really like prayer books and there's, there are some good ones out there. Um, I have some that are prayers that are based on scripture, which I, I, those are my favorite ones, but I find that they can be helpful. And I think that they've strengthened just my own personal prayer life. Hmm. Um, I know I like reading through Valley of Vision. The, yeah, that's a great example. That's the a good example. Puritan prayer book. Because yeah. it's just like you see things in there. You're like, I've never even thought to say that. Or I've never thought to ask the Lord for that in prayer. Like it's just, I don't know, it gives you perspective, I guess. Yes. Yeah. So th- that that would actually be a good one that I think we could recommend. If you're wanting, I think that's a great one to start with. Valley of Vision that Ashley just mentioned because they, they have some just very rich prayers. And sometimes I sometimes when I am in a in a place of feeling discouraged and not sure what to pray, reading some of those, praying some of those prayers have been very helpful to me. And there's there's prayers in there that confess sin and there's adoration in there. And I think that if you're new to trying to improve your prayer life here. I think it can be helpful in reading some of those prayers, praying some of those prayers in, in helping us to pray. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially I'm just thinking, especially if you grew up in like pietism, like a lot of us did and you were like me where you just waited for your feelings to want you to pray. (laughs) Um, it's helpful to just sit yourself down and read through some prayers or just, just make yourself pray. <laughs> right. Prayer yeah. is not experience. I mean, there, I, at least for me, it was a, like prayer was primarily about experiencing God is mm-hmm. in, in my growing up. Yeah. And it kind of played into, you know, how people say like, it's a relationship, not a religion. Mm-hmm. Remember that was really popular. Yeah. Um, so prayer kind of played into that relationship aspect. I have not read this book, but I actually would like to get it. It's um, by a Presbyterian sister, Susan Hunt, and it's called Prayers of the Bible, Equipping Women to Call on God in Truth. And that might be a good, I, I'm guessing, I've read other of her books that I've really enjoyed. That might be a good book to start with. If, if you're wanting to study prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about practically, Colleen, like day to day? What, what does prayer look like? Well, I wanted to, I think this is the thing that we maybe don't talk about enough and, and ought to. I talked about having a prayer journal and you can have one on your electronic device or you can have an actual journal that you, that you write in. I have on my tablet, okay, I really like the app called Prayer Mate. And mm-hmm. so if, if you want, yeah, I had set up something before using, I forget what it's called, but I, it wasn't an actual prayer app. Um, it, but I just, I, I took another app and I made it a prayer app where I could write my, do a prayer journal. But so if you're looking for something that help that's going to help you organize your requests and even help you remember these different parts of prayer, if you'd prefer an app, that's the one I'd recommend. I don't know if there's an, something else out there that's better, but I've used that one for several years. 
And in there, the thing I like about it is I can, if somebody says, please pray for me about such and such, I can write it in there right away. And you can set it up. I mean, let's just say that you have 30 people that you're praying for. And it's not unrealistic to think that you might. Um, you can you can set it up so that you're praying for five a day or, you know, however you, nice. you want to set it up. Uh, and I will have so that I pray for like my family more often and maybe other things two times a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also write, I also write out prayers and I didn't want to neglect to talk about this. I talked about writing out prayers based on scripture and I'm going to give an example because a friend of mine, when I first got married, encouraged me to pray scripture for my husband. So I will take some passages and then I will use them to write a prayer. So for instance, so I'll take Colossians 1, um, starting in verse 9. Now, I'll tell you what it says. Um, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strength without all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So I'll take that and I will pray that like for my husband. So Mm -hmm. I'll take that passage and I'll turn it into, so a little bit my own words, but I'm pretty much praying that. And I turn that into a prayer for my husband so that I'm, I'm praying for that my husband is filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that my husband's walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing of the knowledge of God. So that that's one thing that I, that's something that I really like to do. And what I've done actually is taken several passages of passages of scripture and I've written prayers using those passages of scripture and then I'll pull those out and pray them for different people. So I might mm-hmm. take that passage right there and pray for pray it for Ashley or mm-hmm. um yeah. pray for my son. So that right. that's kind of but you can also do a prayer journal. Some people like to write and I have the worst penmanship in the world. <laughs> and so and I also have a hard time um writing with some of my health issues, it's difficult. So for me, having it on a tablet is great, but some women like to actually write it out and just get a journal at the drugstore and, and write prayers out if, if you'd prefer to write them out. And you can organize, you can organize your requests in a prayer journal. So that's what I would say. What do you, do you have any little tips, practical tips? Um, I think, I think prayer journal is is a good um a good option i think praying scripture i mean what you said that's a great idea i've heard that from people too um yeah i don't think i have any tips like out outside of that um well how about i ask you this do do you hmm. only in your own life and i'm i'm guessing it's similar to mine do you only pray when you do your quiet time you know when before dinner with your husband or do you pray throughout the day? Um, I pray a lot in the car. Um, so I will pray during quiet time, but, um, I spend probably an hour in the car every day. Um, 
I did something dumb. <laughs> like I have to generate a code for the test. And uh-huh. my, my screen was like minimized, not minimized, but like a shrunken screen. And uh-huh. so it was cutting off the last letter of the code. Oh. So the code I had posted for the kids wasn't working because it wasn't the whole code. Oh. So that's embarrassing. You're, you're pregnant. Right. I, left, yeah. I left my keys in the car with the car running. Oh, wow. Of course, there's also the time where I put um, chicken in the oven and forgot about it. And some people called and said, want to go out? And I'm like, sure. And so Brent and I went out and we were gone like <sighs> four hours and we're driving home. And I'm like, the chicken is still in the oven. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thankfully, it wasn't on like really high. So we got home. They were like rocks. <laughs> yeah. Not burning, though. Right. Not 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 burning surprisingly <laughs> i did stupid things yeah things. what were we talking about okay we- you were talking about practical t- just cut out what i said because as soon as i started talking i was getting a text message yeah, yeah, and i was i was, was, like, I was like oh yeah well, you, you, uh, you said you pray in the car okay so i know i was gonna say oh yeah okay so yeah. i'll just start yeah so i i will sometimes pray in the car just because i'm by myself and just you know i mean i'm not always consistent like, I know some people are very scheduled with their prayers. I'm right. I'm not. It just, it's never really worked for me. But when I have a moment to myself is when, when I'll pray, um, which yeah. I'm about to be a mom. So those will be few and far between, I guess. But um, hey, you can, I used to pray while I was nursing the baby. I've spent go. many hours praying, washing dishes <laughs> in my, in my mom life. And so. There's Ivan, Ivan, uh, when my kids were younger, now they do the dishes, but back when I was doing them, I would have like verses, um, in front of me when I was Oh, that's a great dishes. idea. Posted like around the house. Yeah. Yeah. If I was yeah. trying to memorize a passage, I'd put it like on a note card and tape it to my bathroom mirror. So like I'm getting ready in the morning and I see it and then tape it in front of the, um, sink where I wash dishes. Mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking about, too, is at various points in my walk, I felt, I don't know if you felt this, just tremendous guilt for my just lack of prayer. And, um, like, I just know I'm not praying as I ought. Have you felt that? Yeah, all the time. Um, one, of my, the time. one of my pastors would say, if you want to make, you know, Christians feel guilty, preach a sermon on prayer. Um, cause I think everyone has that sense. Like we, we all know it's commanded. We all know we should be. And yet we just feel like I'm just not, I'm not living up to the standard or, right. you know, so. And, and I think that the reality is, and it's a, it's a good reminder of the gospel. I, I was watching this Lutheran satire video about um where they're talking to the mormons mm-hmm. and their their point is that they're they're going to prove to the mormon the more missionaries are going to admit that they're actually going to hell so they mm-hmm. asked them so what what's a bet ask the first one the first um mormon missionary so what's a better thing to do go to the movies or um what, what did they ask it was some sort of service I think it was pray. I think it may have been pray for an hour. And he's like, well, of course, pray for an hour. And then they asked the other one, 
what's a better thing, go to the movies or like, I think he like, which one loves God more or serves God? I can't remember the language mm-hmm. he used. And so which ones, which one should, you know, go to the movies or go and volunteer at the homeless shelter and pick the homeless shelter. And they were trying to make the point from the Mormon verse. Um, it is by grace you are saved after all you can do. And so they said what, and then they said to the missionaries, but you guys went to the movies last week. So obviously you haven't done all you can do. And Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and I think in that way, we, every single one of us knows that we fall short in, in praying as, as, as we ought and spending time in the word as we ought and, and all sorts of things. And yet, and yet, and yet we have Christ and, and we know that the, the good news is, is that we are being sanctified. That's one of those promises that we can hold on to. We are being sanctified and, and growing because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done, because we're united to him and, and he is working in our lives. Yeah. And I, I guess I would want to offer encouragement just because I've, I've been in places in my life where I just kind of wallow in the guilt I feel because I know I'm not, I'm not praying enough. Like I, I know, like I'm, I just know, like I'm, I'm falling short and I feel the weight of that is if, if you're, if you're that person, like because of Christ, we are able to approach the throne of grace and don't, don't wait for your feelings of guilt to go away or shame or anything. Just, just pray. And And he, you know, read Hebrews. We're we're able to pro- approach the throne of grace, which is amazing that we're able to do that. Um, my husband will say sometimes, "Pray until you pray," because you know <laughs> sometimes you're praying, but you're you're so, you're so distracted, like in your head, you right. got you're thinking about all these other things. He'll say, "Keep praying until you're praying," <laughs> you know, until your mind quiets yeah. and you're actually, you know, actually praying, not like thinking about all the things you got to do and stuff. Um, right. So I think about that sometimes. And I would say, if you are somebody that's struggling with this, um, if you're, you talk to an older woman in the church, and maybe she can offer you some encouragement and accountability in this, or a friend. Um, I've, I've had times where one of my good friends and I will, will challenge each other, each other on, on different things, whether it's Bible study or, or praying and, and then we keep each other accountable. But if you do that, you want to set it up where you can be gracious with one another and encourage one another when you fall short, because you will, you're, you know, it's like at, at the first of the year when everyone starts their new Bible reading programs and. By the end of January, half of them have stopped. <laughs> One thing you don't want to do is set some sort of goal, fall short of the goal, and give it up altogether. Yeah. And there's always tomorrow. There's always tomorrow to 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 pray more. And it, and if it doesn't work, don't, don't give up. Yeah. Don't just throw throw in the towel. And I'm gonna, I'm going to put a couple book links in the Susan Hunt one that I mentioned. I'm going to look through my prayer books to see if any of those would be helpful. And then um, the other one is there is a book uh, that's by Martin Luther, A Simple Way to Pray. And mm-hmm. that was, I think it was 
his friend and barber asked him about prayer and and it's it's not a very long book in fact we have a copy of it it's like a booklet and so that one i got a lot from that book i i'll put those in those and i've got several articles i actually got a few from the opc website and then um i've got um some from ligonier and some other places that yeah. that i that i have for for this week so um you know, go and study this more and, and read the catechism because the catechism has some great things to say on prayer. Even if you're not fully reformed or confessional. And I'm going to link the catechism. One thing I did this week was as I was going through the catechism questions on prayer is I went through all of the, the proof texts. So I think sometimes the catechism is so helpful in that because it has it has the, the question and answer and then it's got all the verses. So I'll link a website that has the the catechism with the proof text and going through and reading those verses, I think mm. is helpful for a study of on prayer. Hmm. It all started with a small time dream. Hold a conference in a church. With a small budget, could we afford to bring in a Christian celebrity speaker? And with an ear to hear more than just the same canned messages, do we want to? With these two questions, the mentionables were born. We found the best under-the-radar Christian apologists that we could find. Writers, podcasters, and bloggers. Their voice was small, but their message was huge. On May 18th and 19th, The Mentionables will be appearing in Greensboro. Head out to Greensboro Christian Church and hear this grassroots phenomena in action, featuring talks and a great debate. Head over to thementionables.org to get your tickets, or call Greensboro Christian Church at... 336-621-5226. The Mentionables. Small-time voices, big-time noise. So, Ashley, got something for yeah about that this week? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so this person says, Christian friends, if you care more about right doctrine than you do about people, especially outsiders, you aren't following Jesus' example. So, hmm. so on the, on the, sur on okay. the surface, it doesn't sound like he's saying anything wrong, right? I Okay, let, let me see, answer it like that. Like, I can see, like, the random Facebook Christian would be like, yeah, that's what Jesus was all about, loving people, not, not judging them or focusing on bad theology. Mm -hmm. And someone actually replied to him in this tweet and said wouldn't you say correct doctrine drives our love for people and exactly. he did not respond so this this yeah. goes back to that quote that i quote from michael horton all the time when people say you just need to love jesus and and he says but who is jesus and why do you love him Hmm. And yeah, that's a so great point. I think the person that responded is exactly it. What is it that drives our love for people except right doctrine? Mm -hmm. um, where do we learn how to love people? You know, when scripture says, um, love your neighbors yourself. Yeah. I, I see the criticism of people that are kind of in their ivory towers discussing theology and that that theology never flows out into good works yeah, and right. love for neighbor. 
Um, but I, I really f find that to be rare. I've met very, I, don't, I actually can't think of anybody that's actually like that. Right. I, I think that's like a made up criticism. I, you know, they're probably out there, but, um, cause I think like, it's a Facebook, I think it's more of a social media thing. Yeah. Than a real life thing, because we all, we all know that the guy on Facebook who's dogmatic about doctrine and, um, isn't always especially nice to people. So I, I think it comes from that, not necessarily real life. Right. Cause I, I'm thinking of how loving and kind the people I know that have very solid doctrine are. And so it, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, you know, you, exactly. and, and I think it's really hard to love people if your doctrine's bad. You don't right. want to be saying, I love you and your sin, and you don't need to repent. That's actually not That's loving. That's not loving. Yeah. It's not loving. If you have a friend who is who is uh, embracing heresy, it, it is not loving your neighbor to not say anything to them. That's That's not loving. Right. And the person who tweeted this is tweeting it because he, he recently said he denies the inerrancy of scripture because of how it talks about gay people. Oh. And so that's what's motivating this tweet, I think, is we need to forget about right doctrine and just love, you know? See, and this is this is a something that's that's untrue also. Um so I I have a family member, an extended family member who's a homosexual, and he would tell you, I, I have no doubt, he would say that Colleen loves me very much. Um, but loving him does not mean accepting his sin, the very things that Christ preached against, the very thing that Christ died on the cross to forgive. That That's not loving. And so I, I love people who are all sorts of sinners but I'm not going to affirm their sin as not as being not sin. That's not mm -hmm. actually loving. And so what they're describing as loving is not loving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this. I mean, but isn't this American Christianity right mm -hmm. there? Yep. You just need you just need to to love other people. I do love other people. I absolutely do love other people. And in fact, I love my homosexual cousin enough to preach the gospel to him mm -hmm. and tell him that he's a sinner just like I am in need of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That's interesting that this that this guy that did the tweet knew that he had that he couldn't embrace the inerrancy of scripture and mm -hmm. and believe these things though. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that's what drove him to deny the inerrancy, which is really sad. It's so, someone I actually quite like. <laughs> so oh, kind of a bummer. That's, yeah. that's really sad. I'm, I'm guessing a musician. Mm -hmm. seeing more. I've seen a few of these like that were known Christian musicians coming out with this sort of thing or, yeah. or even writers that have a platform. Yeah. And it's it's really heartbreaking. It's it's very sad to see. So, well, one thing I wanted to say, um, if 
if anybody would like to support Theology Gals, I'm going to put a link to our Patreon in the episode notes. We do need some support. We've got some extra expenses coming up and some things. I'm also going to put a link in the notes if you would like to give a one-time donation. Patreon is where you would support us, maybe only a couple dollars a month. Um, and then we'll have a link if you want to give us a one-time donation. We're still working on, on several things in the works, and we're really excited about those things. Um, but it, it takes time. Everything always takes me longer than, than I think it's going to. <laughs> so, so we have some exciting things happening with the LG Gals that will be released in the next couple of months. And then I know that I think Ashley will only be here one or two more weeks before she goes on her maternity leave. And we're so excited for her. She'll be having a baby and she's going to have more important things to do. And, um, but we, we appreciate you guys joining us and, and all the support and, and the letters you guys send very encouraging. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.